Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds talk. What is going on, everybody? It is now Monday night, and I guess we can now say you know what that means. Another edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever with their new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, lines than ever before. Head to the new updated mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V-50, for betonline.com. I am Tim Daniel. I am very excited for today's episode. Our new night, our new night on Monday nights here as we get ready as good start for the offseason. As always, with our excellent panel, Mr. Nick Kirby. How are you, sir? What's going on? I was so uh, ready and prepared to say welcome to the off season in about the third inning last night, and uh, the Braves screwed that up. So just happy Monday night, fellas. Happy Monday night, indeed. Also joining us, Mr. Carlos Guevara, former big league pitcher. How are you? What's up, boys? How y'all? Good, man. Good. Also, we're really excited for our excellent guest here today. You can check him out. Uh, he is the co-host as my notes, of course, go away from me. So I'm sorry about that, Kyle. Uh, for the Reds Recall podcast, you can check out his work on Max's Sporting Studio and Reds Contact Plus. This is Kyle Berger. Welcome to Late Night Reds Talk Live. How you doing, man? Good. Glad to join you guys this week. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We have a lot of fun things to talk about, and I want to get your insight and thoughts on the team as well. Uh, before we do get into there, tell us a little bit about your work, whether it be your podcast your articles, anything where you kind of dive into so people kind of know the work you do. Yeah, so for the articles that I write, most of them are analytically based. Reds Content Plus is a very analytically based Red site. So we get into the stats and kind of explain what they mean and how Reds hitters perform with them. And then our podcast, I started it with a friend I had from high school and we're both really big Reds fans. So we wanted to just be able to talk about anything and everything about the Reds. So we've been doing that through our podcast. Excellent, man. We, we certainly understand wanting to talk about the Reds on a podcast. So we are there with you. Um, do you mentioned obviously that you are a big Reds fan and so much that we got to start the show off with the fact that we see you got married at great American ballpark. Yes, I did. That was a very unique 
and wonderful experience. Everything went as great as I could have ever expected it to. Tell us about that, man. What is the wedding planning process like for that? Uh, it's stressful, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, from I guess about six months in advance, we decided we were going to have it at Great American Ballpark. And I thought there was no way my wife was going to say yes to that. She did. She loved the idea. So, yeah, we went with it. That's pretty cool. Did you have any uh, any family members that were opposed to You don't have to throw names out there. <laughs> no, they all loved the idea, actually. Most of my family's big Reds fans, so they loved the idea. And we got a lot of compliments on how nice the wedding was and how nice the venue was. It's fantastic. Yeah, now I'm like, man, I did a cool park. My wife doesn't watch this, so I can... You know, I can say that. So, <laughs> but yeah, man, that is really cool. Um, I've gotten to do the tour of the stadium a couple times, and so I should. Did you get to kind of get to kind of do like the walk through, like where the clubhouse is and everything like that? Uh, we didn't get to walk through the clubhouses or anything because of COVID. They had that closed off to the public, but we did get like the more vague tour of the everything else in the ballpark, except for like the clubhouses. Nice. Yeah, I understand that. Well, that's awesome, man. It's a really cool experience. You get to do that. Nothing like that, I can imagine. Uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about what is going on in the world of baseball right now. Obviously, that is the World Series where the Braves are now heading back to Houston up 3-2, like Nick said. Uh, the bottom of the first last night, Flubber Red, Adam Duvall hits a grand slam. It looks like we might be done with the series, but Houston makes a comeback last night. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the World Series so far? What, what, what's kind of jumping out to you? Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad it's you know at least going to go six, maybe seven games. I mean, you know, when you have a, a World Series, we have you know two teams that I'm not like yeah, don't have a massive interest in either one. You just uh, want the series to go long, and um, you know when you get into that sixth and seventh game, that's where you can have like just some of the the, the great moments in baseball happen. So you know, just kind of rooting for that kind of at this point. But uh, fun series. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh. Uh, preview of Adam Duvall and Cincinnati in 2022. I'm starting the train. Let's go. <laughs> I love Carlos's reaction to that. Stop, Nick. Carlos does not like home runs. Anti home run. <laughs> hey, uh, we saw that movie already once. <laughs> but as far as the World Series, I'm just. I said it last week. I just I missed the top starters versus top starters going, you know, back-to-back -back games and, you know, looking ahead, hey, we got Scherzer going tomorrow or game six, and right now it's just which bullpen guys will come out more. You know, like, who's going to throw more than one and two-thirds? It's just it's hard for me to get into that. I mean, going into the series, going into the series, I thought Max Fried and Ian Anderson could at least go deep into the game for the Braves, but that hasn't really happened either. Nobody. I think both managers are are managing, you know, well and um, doing the the right calls, you know, in terms of what's going to give them the Doesn't best chance of winning. Whatever Grinky pitch, she had a bad game. Yeah, it's insane seeing Dusty pulling starters so early. <laughs> I, I I'm just like I, I want to like throw something at my TV, like. Where was this? You know, what is going on? But yeah, I, I, I hear you, Carlos. I'm someone who is all about pull the starters early. But I definitely think that MLB has to counter this. You know, we, we talked before about the, 
the really great idea that I love about um, you lose the DH when you when you pull your starting pitcher. And I feel like that would be a really big incentive to keeping your starter a little bit longer. I feel like they should be a little more creative with this um, because, you know, teams can't be dumb just for the sake of making baseball better product to watch on TV. You know, you have to manage to win. Um, and most of the time, pulling your starter is the correct move, even if it's, you know, kind of a, a lame move. Yeah, I don't. I just didn't understand that and Grinky eight. When you're knowing, maybe he might get one at bat. Maybe. Well, Maldonado is one of the worst hitters in baseball. So yeah. my my guess is their strategy was we're only gonna Grinky's only gonna bat once. We'd rather have our pinch hitters getting extra at bats as opposed to Maldonado. He's really bad. But then at that point, then Maldonado becomes the pitcher. Like you're not really in a roundabout way, yeah, yeah. But but he, he might be, you know. But your pinch hitter is one spot ahead. Um, who's the? I don't know who their who's their eight eight hole hitter is. Yeah, either way, but they're still going to pitch around him to get to that ninth spot. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't know that pinch hitter hitting in front of Altuve. That's what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, I don't. A lot of the Kyle, you could probably speak more to this. A lot of the. Um, the, if you do like a lineup optimizer, it actually tells you that you should bat the, the pitcher uh, eighth um, because it, it says you're optimized better with with the guy that's higher on base um, batting ninth. Um, yeah, which actually what what they did with Maldonado would actually be almost counterintuitive to that if that was their thinking. Um, Does Maldonado get on base? Does he draw walks? You want a guy on base for your top of the lineup. So that's usually why they say you want to bat your pitcher eighth so you can have a higher on base percentage guy ninth to be on base for your leadoff hitter. Yeah. I'm honestly, the pitcher spot Maldonado, I don't really think it matters all that much. They're both, they're both pretty much easy outs, Uh, except Maldonado for whatever reason has had like several hits in the series and he's one of the worst hitters in baseball, but it happens. Do you think Dusty's looking at right now being down 3-2 like, damn it, again? Oh, that definitely went through his mind. (laughs) Better than down 3-1, I mean, you know. uh, Or in his case, up 2-0. Yeah, he was up up 3-1 in uh, the World Series, wasn't he, with the Giants? Or he was up 3-2, up 3-2 in that series? And I know Uh, he was up up 3-1 with the Cubs. Um, yeah, the, Bar- the Bartman series. So he's had he's had several series where uh, uh, it's been on the other end. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I'm not gonna go and say like he's executed badly, um, but I guess I he was kind of the. I know you disagreed, Nick, because of things, but I was kind of hoping he was gonna win this series. And obviously, you know, anything can happen these next two games, um, if there is two games, I should say. But I would have seen him get one. You know, I'm not. I know, I know, but I hold a grudge, man. I hold a grudge. Well, should you hold a grudge for the '95 NLCS? Then that's that's worse than what Dusty did. They got swept by Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, and like three Hall of Famers. Like they didn't blow a 2-0 lead to Hunter Pence. Like, come on, like that's a that's a totally different animal. That's fair, but that's the closest the Reds were to a World Series in a long time. I would argue 
their odds when they were up two games to none. I bet if you actually did a statistical analysis, I bet their odds when they were up two games to none in the NLDS was significantly higher than when the NLCS started before the Braves when it was uh, zero zero. Just, I mean, just look at who the who the Reds were facing right in that series. Right. I mean, three Hall of Fame pitchers. I mean, you know, and, and that season. Not to, to rehash terrible memories, but I mean that was a very winnable. I mean, the Tigers were not an elite team. They played in the World Series. Cardinals, the Reds literally beat them in the NL Central. Would have been the NLCS. So uh, that that that's the that's I think the best chance the Reds had in my lifetime. And I don't even think it's even close. I think it's way closer than '95. Um, I don't know '94. You could say whatever. Who knows how that would have played out? But yeah, that's all, I can't root for them. I. I I'm glad other people are more forgiving than me. I'm I'm not. I was I was at that game. I, I everyone in the stadium knew that Matt Latos was melting down and should have been pulled and he didn't pull him. I'm I'm not forgiven. So I was at game four when they were like, Oh, Mike Leak's starting like that day, you're like, ah shit. Not a thing against Mike Leak, but you're like, Oh no, that that doesn't sound good. Oh, can't believe it. Mr. Optimistic over here holds grudges. This doesn't add up. <laughs> I, that's why I'm optimistic now because of, I, of what, what I've been through, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it leak leak is another interesting move because like Dusty's out here doing bullpen games now. Like, and he was out starting Mike leak who had like a seven ERA in September that year. He was like, he was well, on the postseason roster. I, I don't even think he was like, I think he probably was like, yeah, hey, I'm done for the year. I'm shutting it down. Like, I got a pitch. Oh crap. You know? And he, he <laughs> was just not even like remotely. And Mike Lee was a good pitcher. has had a nice career, but yeah. he was not anywhere near should be pitching in the postseason that year. Yeah. I think it, it takes away from me too. Just thinking like, you know, I was growing up watching all those Braves teams with the Smokes and Max and Glavins and Avery's and all those guys. So I fell in love with the game and, and pitching and like those guys went to all these you know pivot championships however 13 in a row whatever it was go to the world series they only get one and now the braves with this pitching staff that's left over and this lineup i'm like what this isn't fair they don't deserve to win those guys only won one yeah, my dad seems to think that they uh they're just fine without Ronald Acuna apparently, and that Adam Duvall is their future. Maybe, I, maybe this week. I think the the Braves and and even the Astros with kind of the the pitching rotation that they're kind of piecing together right now. I think just it's good examples, man. Just get to the postseason because you never know what will happen. If you think oh they're a, you know their team's not good enough to to get it, you get in the dance, you know. You give yourself a chance. Um, get in the dance more. I like the dance. Yeah. I like the dance. What do you think, Kyle? I think he's muted. Oh. Can you hear me now? There yeah. we go. Good. Sorry, something happened with my microphone, I guess. I am a little surprised that the Braves have played so well, but the way they played the first two series, once they got to the World Series, I thought they were I I thought they were the favorites, honestly, the way they played. Some people don't believe in momentum, but it seems like it's worked for them, so I thought it was a toss up. I mean, especially with the colors out, I probably would feel a little different if they hadn't colors, but yeah, I, th I think that's part of why I 
thought the Braves had the better chance because their roster was basically at full strength. Of course, they're missing Acuna, but they've been missing him the entire second half of the year, so they've adapted to that. Yeah, all these uh, low-average, high-power guys. Let's go. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Man. I, I almost fear that if Adam Duvall does, in fact, end up playing for the Reds next year, what Nick's celebration will be. I don't know if it's like celebrating. I just, I just think he'd be a really good fit. I, I he, there's a lot of players like him. Nick next year on Twitter that happens. <laughs> every, every, all 215 strikeouts. I'm going to get something every single one of them. <laughs> you probably. I mean, the Reds do need a right-handed outfielder of some sort, whether it's Duvall or somebody else. They need a right-handed outfielder. I think they might need two right-handed outfielders. Well, if Castellanos doesn't come <laughs> back, they'll need two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I want less in the Adam Duvall, Andrew McCutcheon debate. I just feel like it's a loss for either of them. I know Nick's talked himself into the potential of McCutcheon. Oh, no, no, Talking no, no, about no, no. holding a grudge. No, Andrew no, no. McCutcheon. No, no, no. McCutcheon is not a full outfielder. He's a platoon outfielder only. Only. <laughs> Do not put words in Andrew McCutcheon is not a full-time outfielder. Don't want any part of that. If he's getting paid like a full-time outfielder, no. But he still hits, he still hits left-handed pitching really, really well. So I'm interested to see who picks up. I am imagining there'll be there'll be a team that will pay him a little bit more than the Reds will be willing to play for a, a platoon player, but um, he could definitely platoon well. Yeah. For as long as he played for the Pirates, I just can't get behind rooting for Andrew McCutcheon. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> the whole uh, Aroldis Chapman debacle that he threw at me on purpose when they're up four nothing in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. I'm like, oh my god. Like when your manager's Clint Hurdle, who has everyone beam everyone, I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's kind of move real quick into some, some Reds discussion here. Um, obviously, now the big news comes out is Derek Johnson gets a nice solid promotion. Uh, he would be assuming the additional role of director of pitching. He's now responsible for the development and communication of pitching philosophy initiatives throughout the entire organization. Um. Not 100% what that means, but it sounds cool. I'm just glad they still have him. I mean, yeah, I think, I think some of, I think some of this move was, you know, give him a, a new title and, um, um, you know, be able to retain him. Um, so they, I don't think they announced the official how long it is, but they, they said it was an extension, I believe. So. Yeah, but I found it interesting that apparently he was under contract through next season anyway before this announcement, and then there was an extension on top of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, I would think it that means at least two, probably three, maybe four years. I don't know. Probably at least three, right? I would think. I would think three years counting next. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just great to, to have him. Um, the, the word philosophy that was that was in there, I, I feel like was strategically put in there. Um, it, it makes me wonder if, you know, maybe Derek Johnson um, and, um, um, you know, Kyle Bodie had some differences, you know, maybe not maybe not massive differences, but um you know, maybe they, 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 they did have some difference of philosophy. Just the word philosophy being in the official release was was very interesting to me. You felt like it was like the NBA pettiness that like you see like yes, it felt like team it, Twitter accounts do like it felt very petty. And this is just pure speculation. I, sure. I don't I don't sure. know anything, as sure. always. That feels like 
hey, I'll have the, I'm going to have the final say on, you know, things like, are we going to shut this player down? Are we going to, you know, move this guy up? Because it's weird to have him in that role and him not watching these guys pitch. I mean, video well, really do so much. I know he talked with somebody in an interview the other day about the new role. And he said a lot of the working with the minor league players was going to be during spring training. And then they're going to have two minor league pitching coordinators. So I wonder if the philosophy is because he's kind of developing the plan for those coordinators to use throughout the season. Yeah. That, that seems to make the most sense to be like, Hey guys, this is what I want to focus on. This is what I want to do. You know, the guys that he'll see in spring training are going to be, you know, the top-notch guys, guys that are on the borderline or about to be on the borderline of actually maybe pitching so he can get his eyes and, you know, kind of remember back to he saw them in spring and where they are halfway through the year or whatever. But, yeah, it's definitely kind of seems that kind of a role, almost just like, you know, just a general manager just kind of overlooking things, not actually being there physically, which is kind of weird to me. The pitching GM? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to, in some regards, to streamline everything, make sure everyone's on the same page, because the last thing you want is, is you know, people going through the minor leagues and there's totally different expectations and philosophies thrown out, and then they get to the major leagues and it's completely different. I, I don't know if there was maybe an instance where something like that happened with a certain player um, um or if it was just something they, they just had some sort of difference on in the future or not. But, I mean, I think it makes sense to have everything streamlined. And I wouldn't worry too much about his workload being too much or, or, or whatnot. I mean, Derek Johnson's been with the Reds, what, this is his third year? Three years? Was he on three years? Yeah, um, I think that's right. I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure he knows what he can handle and what he can do, and I'm sure they'll, they'll make that all work. My only other question is – his philosophy is like what, what their philosophy has been. I know Derek Johnson's very uh, strikeout heavy. You know, I, I know spin rate was a big thing for him. Every interview he's ever said is we want to strike guys out more. Um, which which is years too late, too early. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's probably that much different than, than, than what the Reds were doing before. I, my guess is there's there's some something particular, maybe you know, in in terms of recovery, maybe something like that 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 they're just not. You gotta find the minor leader and get him on here to spill the beans. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hunter Green, you busy next week? <laughs> Probably to go a little lower. Yeah. It's a little... <laughs> some of the shit that I had to go through with a res minor league system was brutal. I mean, I've, I've talked about it where they want us to pitch to contact. This is this is basically the opposite of what, what Derek Johnson is doing now. Pitch to contact, the one-one fastballs, and don't throw a lot of pitches. Like it was, it was, it was so bad. They always wanted you to throw a one-one fastball. Always, and everybody in the league knew it by the second week. Hmm. <laughs> in my in my old my old uh, college pitching coach was like. Don't you fucking do it. Don't do it. You strike everybody out. Don't let them put the ball in play. They, at the end of the year, they're going to hold it against you that you didn't strike anybody out and your ERA is too high because you pitched the contact. You'd still be playing if, if Derek Johnson was in charge. I'll tell you. Unbelievable. I need right hand of Thummer. I'm your guy. Get him up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just need one inning. The way the Reds bullpen was this year. On that DL, collect that money. (laughs) Or the Iowa. Like uh, like John Axford did this year with Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Love it. I'm for it. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's cool to keep the continuity, keep him back in, like Nick said, keep the philosophy streamlined. Um, Kyle, you could probably speak to this better than we can, but I know a lot of people work right now are kind of speculating, which you know, for good and bad, uh, how many people in this current bullpen will actually be on the roster next year? I think it's like, you know, you know what I mean? You know, it's Lisa, uh, you know, he's going to be on the roster next year. Uh, right. I would assume Amir Garrett, but I don't know if I'm going to put it as a guarantee, as our friend Charles Barkley would say. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm up in the air on Garrett. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they'll want to pay him what he's going to get. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think I could do a CNL Perez in the, in the, in the bullpen next year. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I still kind of believe in Perez long term. I don't know if he's quite ready yet. He needs to work on his command seemed like he did a little better with that later in the year when he came back up, he has the stuff. He just didn't have any command when he was up here. Most of the time, something interesting about Perez is he's out of options next year. Yeah. So it's either he's on the roster or you're going to have to pass him through waivers. Yeah. The, the only, the only players that we've seen um, up that have options are Warren um and, and, and Santion. Um, I don't know if there's anyone else. Uh, Amareda still has three, and then our boy Ryan Hendricks still has an option. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Lucas Sims obviously will be, be on it. He, he's out of options. Uh, Justin Wilson's probably back because he has a player option. Um, Sessa's a lock. Yeah. yeah. Sessa, uh, Sessa, Sessa Sims, Warren. Santion are probably the locks. Warren and Santion, they have options. So they're, you know, maybe not. I would think they probably are on the major league roster, but they're definitely still on the, the team because they're someone you can chip up and down, which is super valuable. The question um, with Santion is do they move him back to the rotation or do they leave him in the bullpen? I think they're going to leave him in the bullpen, just be a long guy, just waiting for, and you hate to say it, wait for somebody to get hurt. But, you know, with Stevenson and Lodolo, it's going to be in the mix. Not a whole lot of room. Yeah, I don't hate the idea of leaving him in the bullpen, but you have to hope one of Lodolo or Green is ready because I don't know if Vladimir Gutierrez can be your fifth starter this year. I yeah, told you guys I, this. I agree with that too. It's Raymar San Martin. That's the fifth starter. <laughs> we're, we're rolling with it. I'm all in. Roster Resource actually still, they updated like the Reds. Uh, uh, into 2022, uh, and they have him as the fifth starter. San Martin, really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm sure that's not like that. Just they're putting guys in places, but I would have to think one of Green and Lodolo's going to be ready. Please, please be ready. <laughs> Will Wade Miley even be back though? That's a good question. With that 10 mil option, I'm going to start him a month late. He's not going to pitch until May. There you go. <laughs> Cut out that last one. Um, I would think the option gets picked up just because I feel like he has to have some trade value, right? I thought so at one point too, but I've kind of talked myself out of it into the point where I think they're not going to pick it up. Who, who would not pay him $10 million? 
the Reds. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I meant. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Because I, I phrased I phrased that wrong. Twenty nine other teams. There's not a single one that would pay him ten million dollars next year. Or, or I mean, I guess ten point five because. Well, he's already played for half of them, Nick. So. But I mean, if if he's worth if he's worth uh, uh, your 150th best prospect, you pick up the option, you trade him, you get someone else's 150th best prospect. I mean, that's true. But at the same time, couldn't they have done the same thing with a lot of the guys they non-tendered last offseason? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I'd say maybe the Scalfani, maybe. That one's still. I think he was. He was wasn't free, he just a free agent? He was a free I was agent. Referring, oh. I was referring to more Kurt Casale. Kurt Casale, I think, got less than the arbitration estimate. He only got $2 million in San Francisco, so he got less than that. Um, and Archie Bradley was the other one that I had in mind. Archie Bradley, I think, got like right at the estimate. It was it was close. So there was the res must have thought it wasn't a slam dunk that that someone would would take his salary. Um so yeah, I don't I don't think there was anyone last year. There were some surprises. Brian Goodwin as well, but he I think he only got a minor league deal. So yeah, like yeah. They, I guess they, they they got him right or, or you know, they, they got their value right at least. Um but yeah, yeah, that's yeah, I just I I can't imagine. I think I think Miley gets picked up and then I think one of Miley or Gray gets traded. That would be my prediction for the offseason. Look guys, I've been telling you this already. The Yankees are going to eat a bunch of money. They're going to eat the Chapman salary. He's going to be back in Cincinnati next year. It's just, <laughs> we're going with it. As a starter. I would. He should have been a starter in 2012. I will stand by this for eternity. Eternity. As fun as it was seeing him come out of the pen. But now Ryan Manson just had to get hurt. Ruin everything. The Reds are spending less than $5 million on their bullpen next year. There's they have so their outfield needs and that they're they're not everyone's going to be so mad but they're they're not going to spend any money on the bullpen and if 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 their money is what it is I don't think they should I think they should just be picking guys up rolling with it and uh, uh, trying to piece it together because I, that's like, the best like they did this year yeah I don't I think know, they man. need it I think they need a good proven reliever at least. Well, it, like for like three million, that's all. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's all. It's gonna. But I mean, who, think back. What were the options? Who who could they have got rid of? Castellanos. Like if 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 you if the, if Crawl was told I have to save ten million, who 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 could have they have got rid of? Castellanos. I guess Suarez. But hindsight's really, you know. Yeah. Uh, With would you would you have really been happy if they got rid of Suarez last off season? Without the hindsight, I guess. Wade Miley, salary dump Wade Miley. But Wade, could Wade Miley have been salary dumped? What, what, I, don't know. I don't think anyone would have picked up his contract last year because remember, he only pitched like 14 innings the year before. Right? He, No one was high on Wade Miley going into last season. So you would have had to give up a prospect to clear the salary, probably. Yeah. But so I, I, I mean, I think. It stunk, but I think they made the right call because the only player that I I think they could have for sure got ten million without like like Kai without having to like throw in some big prospect like the Homer Bailey trade where they they had to throw in two prospects. The only way I see it would have been Cassianos, and that would have obviously been a Pretty mistake. Miserable. Yeah. 
So, eh, ay, ay, ay. All right. Well, that's going to be a topic we're going to have throughout the offseason, I'm sure of. Uh, but coming up also, we see two. Um, oh, we're going there. Okay. So, yes, the Reds have made a couple promotions within the organization. Um, as you see here on the graphic, Brad Meter has been promoted to vice president, assistant general manager. Uh, Rob Coppola was promoted to senior director of professional scouting. Trey Hendricks, not to be confused with the defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals, Trey Hendrickson, has been promoted to senior director of internal scouting, international scouting. And Joe Katuska has been promoted to director of amateur scouting. So, nice. You know, everyone's moving on up in the world. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Brad's been in the organization for a long time. So, it's good to see guys, you know, work their way through the system. Um, um, I watched a couple of interviews with him today. Seems like a pretty knowledgeable guy, but who really knows? Uh, he was, uh, he drafted Sinzel. He was the guy who got him signed. Um, which, I mean, yeah, it's probably a good, good thing other than, you know, I guess if he... Wish he would have had a crystal ball on his health. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he was in charge of the draft. The last three drafts, Lodolo was was him. So yeah, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really not much analysis you can put into that one. Just want to make sure we touched on all the Reds news. The, the, exactly. all, all, all the Reds news. Yeah, now let's talk about the potential doom of not having a baseball season next year. Let's get to it. Oh, we, Joe, Joe Mather was the other news. Joe Mather was hired by the uh, uh, the D-backs. He was the Reds' assistant hitting coach. So he got promoted to the – so I think that, that shows the, the, the fruits of the Reds' uh, 2021 season that their assistant hitting coach got picked up as a, uh, a full-time hitting coach. So that's always a good thing, right? So Carlos off the list then. Carlos, did you strike him out when he was in the big leagues? Probably. Joe Mather? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I just remember the name, but I don't. I couldn't remember who he played for. Honestly, I know he played in the majors. He was a catcher, right? Yeah, I think he played for everyone. I yeah. don't remember. I don't One remember. of those like Paul Baco kind of things where he played for everybody. Played for everybody, not really played at all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? The those guys, the Crash Davises of the world, they're really out there and good for them, man, chasing the dream. Yeah. All right. So we're now looking out as we kind of get ready for this offseason. Um, obviously, this big thing looming over their head is the potential date of December 2nd. If we don't have a CBA, uh, we're going to have a lockout. So until then, yes, I, I, I see Carlos has the Kimbe Mutombo wave going. Uh, we've got a lot of, you know, free agency starts with their option decision deadlines uh, next week. Uh, after that, we've got the decisions on qualifying offers, which looks more like obviously Nick Castellanos. Um, the 19th, we've got the Rule 5 protection deadline. Obviously, we know a lot of the names that will be there. You got the non tender deadline coming up shortly after that. Um, guys like Naquin, Sessa, Castillo, Garrett, Winker, Malay, etc. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, Kyle Farmer, Lucas Sims, and of course, Nick Senzel, uh, which, you know, you could sign those guys in the next day. You could potentially not have a have a lockout here. So this is what the offseason calendar is looking like right now. And kind of going through, uh, what kind of jumps out to you guys the most here as far as the decision-making, the tender deadlines, obviously besides Nick Castellanos. Just uh, 
I mean, the, the December 2nd, I mean, that's what it, it, it all hinges on, you know, um, if nothing's done, I mean, everything freezes at that point. I'm very curious to see if, um, because once, um, once you get past the deadline on the qualifying offer, I think that's when free agency officially begins. I'm curious to see if in those like two and a half weeks, if, if there's any action among free agents, like if there's any rush to get free agents signed before the CBA expires. Um, I don't think so. I would assume most teams are going to wait till after that, but you know, I wonder if, if there's going to be a player that says, Hey, I want to get signed before this expires. Um, I feel like maybe the mid tier players would try to do that. Yeah, try the to top see. players will want to wait, but yeah, if you're the um, Michael Lorenzen of the world, you know, maybe hey, I just want to get signed before you know this expires, and I don't want to have to be, you know, because I mean, if if the let's just say they go in a lockout and it's like going into spring training next year, there's going to be a really short window to sign players, right? I mean, it's going to be yeah, yeah. freezes. I mean, they'll, they'll obviously have some sort of startup, even if they delay the season or whatever, but it's going to be a short window and it's going to be a real free for all. I, I would assume at that point. So I'm kind of curious if, if there'll be any action, you know, in those two weeks, I, I hope it, I hope we don't get into, um, um, a work stoppage, which is not really a work stoppage because it's the off season, but um, man, it's just after 2020, it would just look bad for, for everyone involved, but um, all, all reports seem like that's what's going to happen. Can we like get like, um, do you remember in the 2012 when the NBA had that lockout and they just basically had like barnstorm leagues, like traveling the country, playing games. <laughs> Can we like get that? Like just pick up games everywhere, like and they like raise money for charity where they play. Like I'm all for that. If we're if we're not gonna get like uniform uniform baseball, I can live with that as a substitute. No, you can't. No, you can't. Yeah. No. <laughs> You'll be over it after the first thirty minutes of the first pickup game. <laughs> I'm only watching if Joe West is umpiring. He will I watch be. for I watch for the umpires. From behind the mound. Yep. But in in '95, <laughs> they actually had replacement players start spring training. I remember uh, that. I, I just saw some sort of like mini documentary on that where they were talking about that, and uh, it was um, um, like one of those things where like these minor league guys were like put into this like awful situation of like, do I say no to that? Um, or do I say yes? If you say no, the players are gonna, you know, kill you for it. If you say no, then you might, you know, hurt your chances of getting called up later, and you know, piss off the owners or the, the general managers and all that. So, yeah, just I hope it doesn't get to that point. That would just be miserable, and it'd be bad for everyone. Everyone needs to do everything they can to make this this work and not not drag out because it's just gonna it's gonna hurt everyone. If they do get to that, I don't see it lasting very long because. The owners are going to cry poor. All they're going to do is piss off the fans, and then they're not really not going to want to come to the games. So that would be kind of counterintuitive on their end. All the stuff that went on, you know, the last two years, guys don't want to lose money uh, anymore. I kind of almost feel like they're more of closer to like an NFL situation to where like, it's, you know, the turnover is really high. Younger guys haven't got paid. They missed out on that money, and they're like, just give us the money. We don't want to hold out for a month in the season lose a sixth of our paycheck like let's go yeah 
It'd be interesting. I think by next week we should have knowledge of of who's uh, opted in, opted out. Um, we want to do some predictions on this. I would say you know, if Cassianos opts out, I would say the Reds pick up Miley. They decline Barnhart, and then Wilson. That's his choice. I think Wilson will pick himself up. I would agree with that. I think Same. I think Wilson is kind of a toss up. Someone might pay him more than two million. Yeah, with the with the CBA expiring though, I would say he's yeah. If I was him, I just I, I think I'd be like, yep, I'm good. Let's let let's roll. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna risk it. What did uh, Baseball Reference say he made this year? Does anybody know? This year? Yeah. Like, what was his performance worth? Tim, we got any more promos to read? No. Play some Jeopardy music. (laughs) We haven't picked up our second sponsor just yet, so. Come on, Nick, tell us a joke. (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess while they're looking that up, should we go ahead and do our, our final topic? Yeah. All right. So I feel like this is one where I'm just really curious because I know where this could go. So I'm going to ask the question while Nick pulls the graphic up. And I'm going to be in my microphone, just sit here and, and eat pop some popcorn because I'm in a group text with you two every day. And I love these conversations sometimes. So obviously the Tampa Bay Rays, last year's American League champions, made the playoffs again this year did lose in the first round of the Red Sox have this big conversation on a lot of, you know, this conversation goes on quite a bit. This question was obviously asked to us on a future show. Can you go in depth on the subject of the Rays and why you feel they're bad for baseball? That being Carlos Guevara. So I'm pressing mute now. Have fun, buddy. Um, you know, saying they're bad for baseball is probably a, a bit of a stretch. Um, kind of depending on who you ask, but as far as a player and as far as players getting paid, I mean, it's, it's not a good thing. Um, cause if everybody op- operated that way, it'd be in a tough situation all the way around. Um, it's hard for the fan base to support, uh, cause how can you get attached to anyone? Their, their crowds will, will tell you that, which I mean, playing in Tampa, I guess really doesn't matter because Tom Brady has a, some trouble filling out those stadiums anyway, but it's just, I think it would, it would be hard to be like a, you know, a guy that's going to have a 10 year career and know you're coming up with them. And, you know, by the time you reach your third, fourth year, you're already wondering if you're going to get traded. You're not going to, you know, put any roots down or anything like that. It's, it's, it's almost disheartening. Like I, I, just, I don't, I don't like the way it is. I don't like anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't necessarily think that um, th- their model is good for baseball. I also, at the same time, don't necessarily think like they are doing anything egregious. Like, I don't look at the Rays and go, "Oh my goodness, they are just so cheap." Because I think if you really like look at the amount of revenue that they're bringing in versus some of even the big dogs, I think they're still spending close to 
you know, the same amount of, of, of profit margin on their players. I, I know, Carlos, I've shared with you, there's a, a Cardinals fan that uh, like some business guru that kind of went through and um, uh, did a player cost analysis based on, on um, um, profit. And uh, the, the, the Yankees were the lowest, like the Yankees spend the lowest amount of their, their um, revenue on, on payroll. Um, so, you know, they're all getting in different amounts of revenue. And so I, every team in baseball could spend more. I think that's where a lot of people um, seem to like forget is that just because a certain team spending a hundred million and a certain team spending 200 million, the 200 million team could be spending a lot more too, you know, but I think in, in theory, they're mostly all spending about the same amount of their profit on players. It doesn't fluctuate. I don't think that crazy, Um, which is why I just, I, I tend not to get too, you know, bent out of shape, uh, about the Reds payroll, which I know makes people mad, but I just, I, I think if you look at the other teams in the, the similar markets, the Reds aren't like doing anything egre- egregious. You know, I wish the Reds spent more, but I think if I was a fan of any team in baseball, I probably would wish they spent more. I think that's just kind of the nature of it. So I don't know. I, I don't think that the Rays necessarily are doing anything wrong. I, I agree that, um, you know, uh, that's not a great model, but, you know, the other weird thing is, is I hear a lot. Of, I wish the Reds operated like the race. I don't think many Reds fans would actually no. enjoy that. Like, because the Reds operate like the race, they would be trying to trade Jesse Winker, Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley right now. Like the guys that are, um, you know, have only have a couple years left. Their uh, um, arbitration numbers are starting to get pretty high. Those are the players they're trying to move. Whew. Uh, that would be really hard. I, I, you know, their model works for, you know, what they're doing, but that's a, a brutal, brutal way to uh, approach baseball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially with Cincinnati being such like a, like rich in their history and attaching themselves to players and stuff like, you know, I forget who it was on, on Twitter. It might've been John. I'm not sure of his last name, um, but he said that, he'd be okay with going with the Tampa Bay style, you know, cause they would have pennants and stuff like that. I'm like, but who are you going to attach yourself to like five years from now? Who are you going to talk about? Who are you going to tell your kids about? Like, I mean, it's, it's not very fun to get behind. It's kind of what I'm getting, I guess, getting at. Yeah. I don't know if Tampa Bay Rays fans from like the nineties are like kids. I saw Wade Boggs play for two years. Yeah. Telling them about how Willie Adamas held him go to the series. Like, no, nobody's going to talk about that. Nobody's going to remember him. I mean, who do you remember for the Rays, like, history wise? Longoria, David Price, Price. James Shields. That's about it. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think most diehard Reds fans want to go that route. Do you, um, do you guys remember, like, when the Reds traded Dunn? That they offered to Tampa, but they wanted Evan Longoria in return. I, I do not remember that, Tim. <laughs> that's a that's Can a nugget. Answer about uh, how much Wilson was worth last year. Yeah, so Wilson's on a really weird contract. So last year he made two point eight five million. Uh, the Reds, I think, only paid like probably about eight hundred thousand of that. Um, they basically paid for his contract to get Sessa uh, without having to give up a big prospect. 
So here's here's Wilson's next year. He has a $2.3 million player option. If he picks that up, he is then also signed for 2023 at the league minimum. So that's another caveat. So maybe, maybe Kyle, that was what you were thinking yeah. about. I, and that's that, what I was referencing. I yeah, think. I guess that does make it a little more interesting because basically you're making three million for two years, right? If I'm about right. so that's yeah, I don't know. Maybe he does decline. Um um I, I don't understand what the one point five million buyout is. Because if it's a player option, how do you buy that out? Maybe since there's two different options there, if both are declined, he gets the buyout. Yeah, I, I don't. Someone smarter than me is gonna have to figure that one out. But yeah, I, I'll just. I, he's just gonna be. We're just gonna wait and see what he does, and then we figure out. So I guess I didn't really make myself very clear, but I was asking more of like what, based on his performance, what was what was he worth last year? Yeah, I have those numbers. According to Fangraphs dollar value. If you combine his numbers from both teams, he was worth negative 1.8 million. But if you just do his Reds performance alone, he was worth positive 1.4 million. Must be really bad in New York, huh? Yeah, he was really bad in New York. And those two months with the Reds, he was worth almost one and a half million. So, good lord. And the Reds (laughs) only paid, man, Spot Track is like really slow today. The Reds paid 1.026 million for him, so he was right at his value with the Reds. There you go. That's awesome. Rarely do you see a player like exactly you got exactly what you paid for. Damn, I don't see him. I don't see him taking that player option up. Then I don't know why you would. Yeah, it's the opposite of betting on yourself. It's like, oh, I really don't belong here. Let me get this $2 million and hope for the best. But the question is, would he get more than a league minimum deal next year? I mean, He might have to settle for a minor league deal if he doesn't pick maybe up like a player a, option. Maybe like a Doolittle, like not a minor league deal, but like $1 million. Like, did we see him get more than Doolittle? I mean, I feel like they're pretty similar profiles going into where they're at, right? Yeah, I think so. I think the Reds would velocity drops. I think the Reds would love for him to decline. The only reason the Reds got him was to get Sessa. Yeah, I mean that's so. I think the Reds would be like, "Good luck, buddy. Congrats. We'll sign you back on a minor league deal if you want." You know, (laughs) like I I think um, the Wilson, the Wilson decision might also factor into whether or not they offer Amir Garrett arbitration. If Wilson's coming back, maybe they let Amir Garrett go and. If Wilson doesn't come back, maybe they'll bring Garrett back. If they let him go, don't they owe like 500 to Amir? I think since he's arbitration eligible, you can just non-tender him and not offer him a contract like they did with all those guys last year. Yeah, I think you can take him to spring, though, and only pay like 45000 for him. I, I don't – because he's still at the uh, – like he's only like arbitration two, I think. Um, so I don't think you have to pay him like his full salary if you decide to cut him in spring training. So I think you might be right on that one. I, I don't see the Reds. I, I don't see the Reds cutting Amir Garrett before the end of spring training. Uh, I could see him getting traded. Um, I, I would, I would think a team like the Dodgers that can, you know, 
if, if it doesn't work out, they can afford a, a $2 million gamble, which is, I think, what his estimate is. Um, I wouldn't see why a team like them wouldn't say, hey, let's pick him up. You know, they do that a lot. Like, um, Knable was kind of like a, a risk, and uh, Blake Trinan. They were both, like, kind of risky players, and they, they, they're the, one, they're the only ones who, who can pay them um or that's willing to pay them i guess i should say and uh it's worked out for them so i feel like he'd be the kind of like player they would just love to take a risk on um so yeah i i would think he has a tiny bit of trade value but i don't know maybe i'm being too optimistic on him i don't, I just don't know why they crazy to think that i just don't know why they would have kept him all year like they were clearly hiding him in the bullpen from like july on so like if why would you keep him on your roster when you had a team that was fighting for a playoff spot if you had, weren't planning on keeping him, right? Like, that would just make no sense to me. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask when we were talking about the Tampa thing earlier. Is Wander Franco going to be the guy to break that, or like are they really going to break their fans' hearts when they trade him in like four years? Yeah, he's gonna be gone. They traded. They would have traded Mike Trout. Like, <laughs> You're right. Sure. I think the only way Wander Franco sticks around long term with the Rays is if they can somehow sign him to a contract like the Braves got with Ozzy Albies or Ronald Acuna. If they get a contract that's clearly a massive underpay, then I think they might sign him long term. But otherwise, yeah, you're probably right. He's probably gonna get traded somewhere. Yeah, give him two hundred million right now. I think the amount of flack that like Ozzy Albies got for that deal and then like it sure is like whoever represents him like I would think it's going to be really hard to to swing another deal like that again without like you know it was very friendly I remember that is like 40 million or something I I think it was less than that it was ridiculous it was nuts like I, I you know they but you know, look, it's it's that's the hard, and that's what a lot of the CBA negotiations are about is um, a service time, which I, is is one of the, the big things. But yeah, I mean, look, one of the things on on their on their docket is to get it down to at least five years instead of six. Yeah, but I mean, look, look Albies is in a tough spot. You know, like if you get hurt and your career's ended, you know, you you lose that money. So Albies got seven years and thirty five million. <laughs> Oh, God. That's a Scotty Pippen contract right there, man. That's like I'm half sure. of what Brandon Phillips got. And I'm sure better. Else, every other position player in the league who had like three or four years in wanted a Tanya Harding his ass. Yeah, no, I mean, there was a lot of people upset, a lot of players upset about that. That's why I'm saying I can't imagine Franco being like, yeah, I'm going to sign up for that flack. And I mean, even even Acuna at eight years and a hundred million—that was yeah. That's still like that's, that's still deal. We should also probably be clear: it's really not Ozzy Albies' fault. It's whoever represented him's fault. Yeah, absolutely. it's not really like he's doing whatever he's you know recommended to do by the the experts, which obviously his guy was not an expert um, because he 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 could be making more than that in arbitration right now, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, like, that's that's insane. Kind of wish I didn't know that now. Damn it! I'm gonna look at him way different. <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah, what, I guess, I guess I'm just dreaming that Wander Franco will be a red one day. 
one last thing on, on the Rays. I, I do think that the Reds could be more aggressive than they are, like in, in some instances. Um, I, I don't think they need to go full Rays, but I do think the Reds, you know, there are some principles the Rays do where they make those cutthroat moves, and the Reds should do that sometimes. You know, I think you have to really pick and choose. Um, you know, the, the Reds have had a lot of players that they've waited too long to trade on. Um, um, I think there could be a better balance of that. And, and I, I mean, I think it would, it would, it would make sense to, to, to trade some of these guys and then use the money on free agents because you're getting, uh, prospects back for the player you trade. And then you're still spending the same money on a free agent as opposed to, um, you know, your own player where you're not getting anything in return for them. So, I mean, I think there's, there's some principles of that the Reds could be better at without going too crazy. Yeah, I feel like what the Rays are doing is kind of a more extreme version of the Oakland A's money ball. They're valuing players differently than the A's did, but they're still trying to do the same thing where they're finding value in cheaper players like that and then the roster turnover. There needs to be some sort of balance between it, but I think it's not necessarily bad that the Rays are doing it, but yeah, they could probably spend some more money and be an even better team if they would do that. And, and I think they've changed the game. It, it, it changed the way a lot of other teams are viewing players now, because for so many years we would see teams, you know, give up these uh, short packages for players of prospects. And it seems like now every team, even the, the rich teams or the higher spending teams, are, are valuing prospects a lot more than they were before because they got burned by teams like the Braves over and over again, you know, uh, giving up their best prospects that, 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 you know, everyone has to, to, to hold on to their prospects or, you know, it doesn't matter. The, the money runs out for everyone at some point. You know, you have to have some young controllable players, at least with the, the way the game is set up right now in, in, in order to be successful. That's, that's what the, you know, the players, players association is seeing, and that's why they, you know, they want to get one less, one less year. You know, they're trying to jump ahead of it because they they see the curve going that way. And it's, you know, it, it sucks for, for a guy who's, who's coming up for the first six years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sucks for, you know, some, some, some guys that get hurt in their like second or third year that like had like MVP caliber years or, or, like like Jonathan India, like I don't, I don't want to say this. I'm like, <laughs> but like let's like just say like something happens to him, like he would you know other than he got a nice signing bonus, but there'd be nothing. Like you know he's he's not he's making league minimum right now, you know and uh, yeah, I, it's a it's a mess. It, it, the whole system's a mess. Um, you know I, like you have to you know like teams like the Reds, you got to be smart and play with them the rules that you have or you know you can you can you know be the the hero all you want but you'll just get burned by other teams you know um yeah it's uh, oh yeah, i'm not looking forward to december second yeah i have to imagine there's going to be some sort of change that comes to that with the new cba yeah i mean i'm sure it won't be you know enough i mean i'm sure oh no it, it probably won't be <laughs> whatever is you know i mean look the owners aren't just gonna you know, say, oh, yeah, we're going to be great humanitarians now <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, yeah, but hopefully it'll at least be a step in the right direction for the players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, things have come a long way from where they were. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, look, they're players, you know, players in baseball, the highest earning players are making a lot more than a lot of other leagues. So, you know, in that regard, there's definitely been a lot of progress. I think there's still, you know, probably a ways to go. Yeah, I, I would overall, I would think it's highly unlikely that we don't have baseball in that first week of April. I would God, hope I so. hope so. Be a long off season of podcasting if we <laughs> if we're in a lockout. Very they go on break. We go on break. Damn it! Come hang out with us while we watch Homer Bailey's no hitter. We'll yeah. just put it up in the corner here. <laughs> what? You really creative, fellas. Dude, I had to do it during the basketball pandemic. During the pandemic, like just figure out like stuff to put with the NBA. It was really hard. So, but I can figure it out. <laughs> but. All right, guys, I think with that being said, we're going to go and wrap up our first ever Monday night edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live. Hopefully you all enjoyed the show tonight and have been coming back, part of the Believe Podcast Network, part of Bet Online. Thank you all for tuning in. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get out of here, please take a second to shout yourself out, your social medias, your work, anything you want to do, please, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast this week, guys. Uh, you can check out my work at Reds Content Plus, Max's Sporting Studio, and then my other podcast, Reds Recall. And then my Twitter handle is at KB underscore 48. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much again. Have a great night and go Reds. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.